thank you for listening. My name is Ho Jun Yoon, and this is Medicine on the Way. When the night has come and the land is dark and the moon. It is July 2013, and today's topic is chronic hepatitis B. Chronic hepatitis is necroinflammation of the liver with duration of more than three to six months. Chronic hepatitis is demonstrated by histologic findings and persistently high serum immunotransferase levels. Common causes of chronic hepatitis are hepatitis B, C, and D virus, as well as autoimmune hepatitis. I will mainly discuss about chronic hepatitis B in this episode. And remember, hepatitis A virus does not cause chronic hepatitis. Other causes of hep- chronic hepatitis include medications such as isoniazid and nitro- nitroferentoin, diseases such as Nash and Wilson disease. Chronic hepatitis is categorized based on the stage of fibrosis. Which is scaled from non to cirrhosis, or the extent of inflammation in the lobular, portal, periportal regions, which is scaled from minimal to severe. Chronic hepatitis B is generally identified as a continuum of acute hepatitis B, with repeated detection of hepatitis B surface antigen in serum. As you're listening to this episode. Please make sure you're clearly distinguishing an acute hepatitis and chronic hepatitis, because otherwise it may sound confusing. Before I talk any further about chronic hepatitis B, let us briefly review the hepatitis B serology. Hepatitis B surface antigen is the first evidence of infection. It may appear even before the liver function test levels go up. Presence of this surface antigen more than six months after the acute illness indicates chronic hepatitis B. The antibody against this surface antigen appears after the surface antigen is cleared up or the vaccination. Therefore, the presence of the antibody against the surface antigen indicates recovery from hepatitis B virus infection and immunity. We just learned about the surface antigen and the antibody against it. There is another type of antigen called the hepatitis B core antigen. The core antigen does not show up by itself in serum. Instead, the antibody against the core antigen appears. There are two types of the antibody, and they are IgM. An IgG antibody. The presence of IgM gives a diagnosis of acute hepatitis B, and its level usually lasts three to six months. In chronic hepatitis, IgM may be detected during flare-up. Now IgG also shows up during acute hepatitis B. However, unlike IgM. IgG level persists indefinitely, so the presence of IgG helps determine the history of hepatitis B. 
The third type of antigen is hepatitis B early antigen. This antigen is a form of secretion of the core antigen. It appears during the incubation period shortly after the surface antigen. The early antigen indicates viral replication and infectivity. If the early antigen persists more than three months, you are likely to have chronic hepatitis B. There is antibody against the early antigen. When the antigen disappears with the antibody, viral replications and infectivity are considered diminished. Now I just said the early antigen is a form of secretion of the core antigen and it indicates viral replications and infectivity. However, there is a more sensitive marker of hepatitis viral replications and infectivity than the early antigen, and that is hepatitis B virus DNA. Even after the recovery from an acute hepatitis B, hepatitis B virus DNA detects DNA that is bound to IgG antibody, which is rarely infectious. But in chronic hepatitis, the early antigen can be absent because of the mutation in the core promoter, which encodes the hepatitis B core antigen. This mutation interferes the synthesis of the early antigen, so DNA level can be useful in this situation. Okay, that's enough to know about hepatitis B serology, and now we are back to chronic hepatitis B. There are four phases of hepatitis B virus infection. First, immune tolerance phase. In this stage, hepatitis B early antigen and hepatitis B virus DNA are present in serum. And we just learned these markers indicate replications and infectivity of hepatitis B virus. In immune tolerant phase, serum immunotransferase levels are normal and there is little inflammation in the liver. When the aminotransferase levels increase, you are now in the second stage called immune clearance phase. In this second stage, there is inflammation in the liver unlike the first phase. There is a risk to progress to cirrhosis at a rate of 5% per year and hepatocellular, hepatocellular carcinoma, I'm sorry, at a rate about 2% per year. IgM is present in about 70% population. The third stage, or known as the inactive surface antigen carrier state, is shown with the improvement of chronic hepatitis. This improvement is demonstrated with disappearance of the early antigen, reduced hepatitis B virus DNA levels, appearance of antibody against the early antigen, and integration of hepatitis B virus into the host genome of infected hepatocytes. The aminotransferase becomes normal as well. Lastly, the fourth stage, or the reactivated chronic hepatitis B phase, occurs when a mutation of the pre-core or a core promoter of hepatitis B virus genome is caused by wild-type hepatitis B virus. Typically, hepatitis B virus DNA, again, increases. 
the hepatitis B virus DNA level correlates with the risk of cirrhosis and hepatocellular carcinoma. The early antigen may increase as well, but about 10% population shows negative for the presence of early antigen. This last stage, or reactivated chronic hepatitis B phase, occurs with risk factors such as alcohol use, cigarette smoking, hepatitis C and D, and HIV infection. Now, it may seem intimidating to memorize these four stages, but if you think it through, the name of each stage and the clinic feature, they make sense. First, you have an infection and hepatitis virus is replicating, but not enough to cause significant harm to your liver. So the early antigen and hepatitis B virus DNA are elevated to show the infectivity and replication, but there is no inflammation in your liver and the liver function test is negative. The infection is there, but it's not crazy. And you can tolerate the infection, so you call it immune-tolerant phase. However, if the infection goes wild, your body will try to fight against it. There will be inflammation in the liver as a result, and the liver function test is positive then. Your body is trying to clear the infection, so you call it immune clearance phase, and that is the second stage. When the infection is under control finally, your liver function test becomes better. The early antigen and DNA levels decrease, but you're still infected with hepatitis B virus, and this is shown with the surface antigen. So you call the third stage the inactive surface antigen carrier state. Throughout your life, you may experience a flare-up from chronic hepatitis. The early antigen and hepatitis B virus DNA increase again, and the controlled infection is now reactivated. So you call the fourth stage the reactivated hepatitis B phase. Okay, we just discussed the four stages of chronic hepatitis B. And there is one last thing that I have to say about hepatitis B in combination with hepatitis D, D as in David. When you have an acute hepatitis D infection while carrying chronic hepatitis B, cirrhosis develops much more rapidly and the risk of having hepatocellular carcinoma increases. Hepatitis D can be detected with antibody against hepatitis D virus, hepatitis D antigen, or hepatitis D virus RNA. For the active viral replication, which is shown with elevated aminotransferase levels and positive early antigen, hepatitis B virus DNA in serum, treatment is nucleoside or nucleotide analog or with pegylated interferon. The goal of treatment is to reduce and maintain the serum hepatitis B virus DNA level to as low as, low as possible. With the treatment, we are hoping positive early antigen becoming negative with the presence of the antibody against it. Then how about when the early antigen is negative? In this case, treatment is given if hepatitis B virus DNA level is greater than 10,000 copies per milliliter or greater than 2,000 international units per milliliter.
When hepatitis B virus DNA is high enough, but the serum ALT level is normal, the treatment can be started if liver fibrosis is demonstrated with biopsy. Nucleoside and nucleotide analogs are generally continued until 6 to 12 months after early antigen to antibody against early antigen seroconversion, that is, negative early antigen with the antibody against it. However, the DNA levels can rise again and hepatitis activity may flare up, in which case the treatment is needed for a much longer period. Now we know when we should start the treatment and how long we should give the treatment. And let me ask you this question. What is nucleoside and nucleotide analogs? Nucleoside is a nitrogenous base with ribose and deoxyribose sugar. And for the sake of understanding, we can just imagine some kind of like ring structures that we saw during organic chemistry class. This nucleoside becomes a nucleotide via a process called phosphorylation. And again, this may sound familiar, but not important to memorize to your death. Nucleotides from nucleoside are fundamental building blocks for DNA and RNA synthesis. The analogs of nucleoside and nucleotide that we give is a molecular structure that looks similar to nucleoside and nucleotide in our body. These analogs are incorporated into growing DNA strand and eventually stop the synthesis. And let me say that one more time. Nucleoside gets converted to nucleotide, which is a fundamental building blocks for DNA and RNA synthesis. And we're giving something similar to nucleoside and nucleotide, which are called analogs. So the virus think it's okay to have them for their DNA RNA synthesis. And eventually, when the analogs gets incorporated into DNA synthesis, we're hoping the analogs will stop the DNA synthesis. However, these analogs affect not only viral DNA synthesis, but also mitochondrial DNA synthesis of our own. As a result, we find a common side effect, such as bone marrow suppression after giving nucleoside nucleotide analogs. There are different types of nucleoside and nucleotide analogs, and I'm leaving specific questions such as the efficacy, resistance, and etc. to gastroenterologists or other specialists since they know much more about the disease, treatment modalities, and the statistics. Um, I will cover a few basic points about the drugs. The available nucleoside and nucleotide analogs include entecavir, tenofovir, adefovir, lamivudine, and telbivudine. The first line oral agents are in general entecavir and tenofovir. Long-term use of tenofovir may reduce serum phosphate level or elevate serum creatinine level, which is reversible after stopping the drug. Resistance is most likely with lamivudine and less so with talbivudine and adefovir, but these agents are not the first choice in the U.S. A second antiviral agent is needed after resistance develops. 
tenofovir and telbividin are pregnancy category B drugs. Lamivudine is a category C drug which has been which has been shown safe in pregnancy women with HIV infection. The therapy can begin in the third trimester when hepatitis B virus DNA level is greater than 200,000 international unit. Nucleoside and nucleotide analogs may be given to patients with decompensated cirrhosis or rapidly progressive hepatitis B following organ trans uh, transplantation. Relapses can occur when treatment is stopped, and in this case, as mentioned above, a long-term therapy is needed. For those with hepatitis B virus, in addition to HIV infection, a combination of two agents is recommended when HIV treatment is indicated. PAG interferon alpha-2A is an alternative to the oral agents. RESPOND is most successful with low um, hepatitis B virus uh, DNA level and hepatitis B virus genotype A. Most patients responding to PEG interferon can be cured with complete RESPOND after forming antibodies against the early antigen. Relapses are uncommon in these complete responders. However, response to PEG interferon is poor in the HIV-infected population. Nucleoside and nucleotide analogs are not effective in chronic hepatitis D, D as in David. PEG interferon alpha-2B is indicated for patients with chronic hepatitis D. However, relapse can occur and tolerance is poor with PEG interferon alpha-2B. Lastly, there are three complications of chronic hepatitis B, and they are liver failure, cirrhosis, hepatocellular carcinoma. The five-year mortality of chronic hepatitis B is less than 3% without cirrhosis, 20% with compensated cirrhosis, and more than 80% with decompensated cirrhosis. Hepatitis B virus DNA levels correlate with the risk of cirrhosis and hepatocellular carcinoma. Well, that is it for this episode. Thank you for listening.